The Hoosiers are going to head into the Big Ten tournament coming off a win, but how good do we even feel about that performance on Sunday? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. It was a, an interesting result on Sunday. The Hoosiers pick up a win to end the regular season. We've had some time to think about it. How do we feel about it? I'm glad that I... Didn't have to give an instant reaction for a podcast on Monday. There was no pod on Monday for those that missed it. We'll make it up this weekend uh, with hopefully a run in the Big Ten tournament. But it was a oh, it was a it was a weird game. Um, I will say one of the biggest positives, and overall, I think it was a positive. the The performance, the win, I think all of it is positive. There's still questions. The biggest positive for me was the effort that they showed. I thought the effort level they had for much of the first half made it feel like the lead was bigger than what it was, which the positive to that is they it's, it's a strong effort. It's a strong response after that Iowa debacle last week uh, to come out with the sense of urgency that they needed to have, I I mean, it, it's, we shouldn't have to question that, but I mean, we did, and the Hoosiers responded. So that was a positive. The negative to that, though, is Michigan made us realize how little that lead ultimately was and made IU regret not building up that lead more. It felt like they were outplaying Michigan, but the lead... Never entirely reflected that. Even when it got to, I believe, 14 points was as big as it got. It felt like it should be bigger. And Michigan went on their run over across the two halves to, um, to like I said, make IU regret not building that lead bigger. To that point, that same point, this IU team hasn't really rolled over and quit this year. There's been a couple exceptions, particularly kind of during that late December, early January stretch. They kind of rolled over and quit against Kansas, the same against Penn State. The Iowa game's the only other time that happened. So when Michigan went on this run and got IU down by double digits, it was nice to see them respond and come back with a run that got them back in the game and eventually helped them win the game. Ultimately, part of this is maybe it's just the way Michigan plays and matches up with Indiana. Both of the two games that they played against Michigan were just aesthetically displeasing, we will say. They were not fun to watch. The game in Ann Arbor was equally awful. It had different circumstances. Trace and Jalen were incredible. The defense did just enough to get stops down the stretch to hold on to the win. This one had more offense, but um, 
neither were very, very kind to the eye. The end result, though, IU does get the double by that they, I think they deserved. I feel like the three seed is probably a fair position. Um, they were one of the four best teams in the Big Ten this season, even with spotting the rest of the Big Ten uh, a one and four start from January 14th on, you could make an argument that they were the best team in the Big Ten. Um, but the three seed, two seed or three seed, as things played out after that IU game, felt fair. I mean, consider where IU was after that Penn State game. If I would have told you then that IU would get the three seed, uh, everybody would have snatched at it. So the Hoosiers rebounded well um, from that awful start. And they're going to head into the Big Ten tournament with a double bye. They're going to play the final game on Friday. So I hope that you're ready to stay up late. We're going to preview the Big Ten tournament probably in tomorrow's episode. But it's going to be a late one because even a 9 p.m. approximate tip-off probably isn't going to be right because everything's going to run behind schedule as it always does. So buckle up and drink lots of coffee or take a nap after work, whatever it is, because it's going to be a long one. One other thing I wanted to note, and this is kind of all-encompassing of the uh, Big Ten season. Now that it's done, now that the standings are final, the Hoosiers had a really tough schedule, which maybe maybe speaks to them being better than we uh, think or better than their schedule even, or their, excuse me, better than their record even indicates. If you look at the five teams that finished bottom of the Big Ten this season, they were Minnesota, obviously, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Penn State. IU played those five teams five times. The unbalanced schedule of the Big Ten and their desire to play 20 games, which is very silly in my opinion, ultimately ends up with the Hoosiers having one of the tougher schedules in the Big Ten. I don't know. I mean, I can't. you literally cannot get a tougher schedule than playing the five worst teams only five times. If you, I mean, you can add in Rutgers. Those teams were all 500 or worse. We played Rutgers twice and beat them twice. Uh, but everyone else, 500 or below, we only played once. I, I mean, you can look at Ken Palm. They had IU as the fourth toughest strength of schedule. I don't know what entirely goes into that, but just sheerly on who you play, IU could not have played a tougher schedule this year. So for them to do that, and still come away with a top three seed. For them to do that and spotting a one and four start and still come away playing a top or with a top three seed. The, it, it was a it was a strong performance from Indiana. We'll see how that kind of measures up. Big picture here in a week, a little more than a week when they get to the tournament. I think the other thing of note is that IU has pretty much locked itself in as a four seed. Um, I could see them getting up to a three seed if they win the big 10 tournament, depending on how other things shake out. But it feels like, uh, even if they lose on Friday, that they're pretty firmed in as a four seed where they go. We'll see Orlando Greensboro, uh, or Albany 
are the three locations for the four seeds. If they get to a three seed, they could could go to Des Moines, Denver, Albany, or Greensboro. So they're not going to be close regardless. But I think the Hoosiers have locked themselves in there, which I'll take. A four seed is, um, again, I I try to keep the perspective of looking where we were mid-January when it felt like everything had fallen apart. If you'd have told me you'll get a three seed in the Big Ten tournament, you'll get a four seed in the NCAA tournament, every single person would have taken that in that moment. So we'll see. The Hoosiers certainly look like a team that could use a, another week rest, week's rest, basically, which they're going to get before they try to get a Big Ten title. And like I said, we'll preview that Big Ten tournament later this week. The women's team did not get a Big Ten tournament title. We'll talk about them, but first, Xavier Johnson. We had an update on him. He's not coming back this year. I'll tell you why I think that's a good thing here in just a moment. First, if you guys are looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. Uh, we Everybody knows how much we love Built Bar around here. They're healthy but actually tasty. Covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. They have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. And you don't even have to go to Built.com to get them. You still can. They still have all the flavors there. But you can stop at Sam's Club. You can stop at Walmart and pick them up as well. Do it today. You can thank me later. And a big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Uh, make sure you guys check out the brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. There's no better time to be uh, listening to it than right now. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Xavier Johnson came out. Uh, news came out. He released a statement, as did IU. He's not going to be returning this year, which um, a little bit surprising on the surface, but maybe not so much when you think about it a little bit. It, it always felt like he was up against a clock, which he was. I mean, the regular season ran out, and he may have only been able to play that one game. This feels like a calculated long-term decision in that he's hoping to be able to get a hardship waiver to play again next season. Here's the quote Xavier had after consulting with my family coaches and medical staff, I've decided to rest the remainder of the season and will not be returning to competition after healing my foot. My focus will be to pursue a medical hardship waiver and return to playing for the Hoosiers next season. He broke the foot in December 17th against Kansas. uh, But, did not play, obviously, after that. It's an interesting decision. Uh, I think it makes sense not having him to return. Not having him return, excuse me. Uh, on a number of reasons. For one, he was, again, he was really racing against the clock. And he's now spent, it would be uh, almost four months by the time he returned, bef- having not played. And it was... it. To go from playing in kind of these non-conference games, he played against Arizona, UNC, 
Kansas, but to go from that to the intensity of what he would be playing um, in tournament games. Even if he got back just Sunday, he would be playing in a kind of a must-win game, and then you're playing in Big Ten and NCAA tournament games. That's hard to do. That's hard to reintegrate. The story I always think of is Kyrie Irving at Duke, where with him, IU was, or excuse me, with him, Duke was a probably the best team in the country. He goes down with a toe injury. In his absence, a number of different guys step up. Nolan Smith stepped up on that Duke team. If you want to uh, relate it to this uh, IU team, Jalen Hutchifino definitely stepped up in a much bigger role on the ball uh, this year. The tournament comes around and Duke tries to bring Kyrie Irving back and it fails miserably. That's kind of the the worst case scenario in a lot of ways of how things could go. And, but I mean, it's a, it's a risk. It was a, it was a risk trying or trying to bring him back because you weren't going to be able to start him. Uh, this Jalen Hutchifino, Trey Galloway have been too good together. They're too familiar with their roles that you would not have been able to start them or start Xavier Johnson. He would have been able to come off the bench and play, but then, not only are you reintegrating him, you're reintegrating him in an entirely different role. There'd be a lot of questions, and it wouldn't be the easiest transition to make. There's also a very calculated decision in sitting out and trying to get that medical hardship waiver because there's a couple qualifications. We talked a little bit about this when Grace Berger went down, and we weren't sure if she would even be back this season. Uh, but the two biggest criteria and Zach Osterman tweeted this on Saturday, the two biggest criteria when it comes to a medical hardship waiver is an athlete cannot have participated in a team's or team's games. Johnson has played 11 of 31 so far. Uh, if IU goes deeper in the big 10 and NCAA tournaments, that percentage will change. I guess in that sense, you if 30% is a pretty hard line number, like you want them to play more, not that there's any reason you wouldn't be rooting for them to play more anyway, but uh, you get that even at 33 games, if IU just loses their next two games, it's down to 33%. Uh, if they win one game in each, and then you're down to 31%. So play about 30% of the team's games, but the athlete cannot have appeared in the second half of the season, Xavier Johnson definitely has not. He went out in December. He didn't play a single Big Ten game, I don't believe. Uh, and or he played against he played two of them, Rutgers and Nebraska. But outside of that, uh, he didn't play a single Big Ten game in 2013, uh, 2023 even. So he has a pretty strong case, I think, for a medical hardship waiver. This is also kind of a time period where they're a lot more lenient and they allow the players a lot more kind of freedom and things like that. So I would imagine they have a, IU has a pretty good sense that they would be able to get him a medical hardship waiver. Cause otherwise that's also a really big risk to take to not even try to play this season when you're, if you're not certain that he can get one, that would be an enormous boost to IU next season. That's something we can talk about down the line if he does get this, but the I use ideal starting five this year of Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Miller Cop, Race, and Trace. 
as things stand right now, if Xavier doesn't get this medical hardship waiver, they're all gone. Jalen's, you guys can probably just count him as gone at this point. I He's one and done almost certainly. All five of those guys would be gone. That is an enormous amount to replace. Five starters is unbelievable. That's so hard to replace. If you bring back Xavier Johnson, you have someone like Trey Galloway return, and suddenly you have a starting backcourt, and you can start piecing things together around them, it's a lot more interesting. But bringing him back also just as a veteran leader is really important as well. So that, as I said, we can talk about down the line when we get uh, a decision on the medical hardship waiver, but the early prognosis is that would be enormous because otherwise IU is going to have to get a lot of pieces in the transfer portal. If you get uh, Xavier Johnson back, you have Galloway, Tamar Bates, ideally assuming no one else transfers, Gabe Cups coming in, then you don't need point guards. And so uh, ideally him coming back really just shores up that whole position. We'll talk more men's basketball this week. Let's get a quick roundup on, the IU women's team, who were upset in shocking fashion on Saturday. We've had a couple days to process that as well. We'll try to figure out what happened and if there's any ramifications of it uh, moving forward. First, though, let's talk about FanDuel. There's not literally a better time to be betting than during March Madness, and that starts this week. And there's not a better time to join FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. The Hoosiers, I believe, last I saw, are third favorite, either second or third favorite to win the Big Ten tournament. It's coming in at right around plus 550 odds. I'm not going to tell you to bet on that because the Big Ten tournament is absolutely cursed for any IU team. Uh, But, again, the Big Ten is an absolute crapshoot this year. So, if you think IU can string together a couple weekends and win, or string together a couple wins this weekend and come away with the Big Ten tournament, plus 550 odds are pretty good. Uh, So, don't miss out on your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The IU women, man, uh, not a great Big Ten tournament for them. They weren't all that great against Michigan State. They pulled away for the win. It was ugly. There were 53 fouls called on that game. But you could kind of write it off as a matchup thing. I think Michigan State, I guess, presents some matchup problems. Similar to how I would have described IU presents matchup problems for Ohio State. And halfway through IU's game on Saturday against Ohio State, you would have been right. They were up 46-26 to 26 at halftime. I believe the lead was 24 points at one point. Everybody was going bonkers. If I'm being completely honest, I left at that point. I was not in town this weekend. I was out at a bachelor party. I watched the first half and I said, all right, we're golden. And I checked back in about 
30 minutes later or so, and IU was up like four points in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> a wild turnaround. Uh, the one thing I would say to start this off is IU has earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, there is, there's no panic button you need to hit. There's no, I have questions about this game and questions were raised, but I wouldn't call them concerns, which is maybe semantics, but that's kind of where I stand with this game. The way IU struggled in this one isn't a way that a lot of teams are going to play Indiana. IU, for whatever reason, this weekend in general, could not handle the press, which is bizarre because that wasn't remotely an issue at any point, particularly with Grace Berger this season. Watch either of the IU-Ohio State regular season games, and they absolutely eviscerated that press. Now, Terry Warren mentioned Ohio State made some adjustments to their press, and that led to some turnovers, but ultimately, this was IU shooting itself in the foot. Between turnovers, which they had 18 of on Saturday, I want to say 11 or 12 of those came in the second half alone, and then offensive rebounds, man, they got crushed on the glass, which has kind of been a problem, and again, it was a problem that happened over the weekend in general, gave up 13 offensive rebounds to Ohio State. If you can't close a defensive possession with an offensive rebound and you're turning the ball over, you're just handing the other team a whole host of chances to score. And Ohio State took advantage of it. So they're both correctable issues is what I would say. And maybe that's the glass half full approach is that everything IU screwed up this weekend, they can fix. You can figure out how to box out. You can figure out how to press break and not turn the ball over. It just isn't a great time for the Hoosiers to uh, not look as invincible as they did most of the season. They've lost two of their last three games. Michigan State's the win, and then they've lost to Iowa and Ohio State. Now, after the game, Terry Morin also mentioned the team is not 100%, specifically Mackenzie Holmes, who wasn't good on Saturday. Uh, three of seven from the field, 12.7 rebounds. Appreciated Iowa fans uh, commenting on that because I said that McKenzie Holmes never no-shows in a game like Caitlin Clark does. Well, as we found out, McKenzie Holmes is hurt. Uh, so I'm, I hope Iowa enjoyed second place in the regular season and whatnot. But this team needs some time off, and now they're going to get – I mean, effectively, it'll be about two weeks. It could be exactly two weeks, depending on when they play in the NCAA tournament. They need it. They can recoup, regenerate a little bit, get healthy. Because as I said, this team has earned the benefit of the doubt. And when they're at their best, there might be one one team in the country better than them in South Carolina and nobody else. So um, the Hoosiers, this didn't damage them in any way in bracketology in the in the NCAA tournament. ESPN still has him as the number 2 overall seed. I that I don't think that was ever going to change. I use resume is absolutely incredible, so um their resume wise are almost the best team in the country. Um so that I they're going to be a one seed. They may have dropped from the number 2 overall seed to the number 3 overall seed, but outside of that it nothing changed. 
the last I assume this is going to be the last bracketology before Selection Sunday. There's a week between the final game and Selection Sunday now, but IU is uh, the one seed in Greenville. They would take on the winner of the playing game between Norfolk Norfolk State Norfolk State and Tennessee Tech. Uh, and then the 8-9 is USC and Miami. Tennessee's in this bracket, uh, who the Hoosiers beat on the road earlier this year. Michigan and Purdue are in this bracket. So some familiar names. LSU would be the two seed. Uh, it'd be a fun matchup if they got there. It's probably going to be LSU or Utah. I don't know that they would put Iowa or Maryland as a two seed in a Big Ten with a Big Ten one seed. So... Your two seeds right now are Utah, LSU, Iowa, and Maryland. So, I personally, I want to play IU just to see who wins the best out of three. I don't know that I can handle play, or excuse me, I want to play Iowa. I don't know that I can handle playing Iowa in an Elite Eight matchup. So, we'll see, but IU's still going to be a one seed, probably still the number two overall seed, but hopefully they get healthy and get things right over the next week. Thanks again, guys, for making us your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow to probably preview the Big Ten tournament, take a look at IU's bracket, the path to them winning, things like that. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast, all that great stuff. Appreciate all the support you guys continue to give us. It's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a busy week. We're going to be here throughout all of it, so make sure you guys are tuned in. Most importantly, though, I hope everybody has a great weekend. And as always, Elio.